Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to this edition of Believe in Grizzlies. Tonight, I have Amy Stigemeyer. She's a beat writer at the Memphis Flyer. She's my partner at the Memphis Flyer. We start all Heart and Hoop City together. How are you doing, Amy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. So tell everybody about you and how we uh, started all Heart and Hoop City. Man, that started from, of all things, a Grizz Facebook group. And I still remember you sending me a message like, hey, let's, uh, let's do something for, you know, women NBA fans. And we kind of held that down for a number of years um, until, you know, we took our stuff over to the flyer. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty exciting, hasn't it? It, it definitely it has. Like we've, that- we've grown as, as people and as writers. Oh, it's it's been an interesting journey. Um, and then I, I just feel like um, we have av- advocated for a lot of more women who, you know, want to write about sports or whatever, r- regardless if you're a fan or you just want to be a sports writer. It doesn't matter. It's just like, it seemed like we help open some doors, maybe. I'm not like trying to take credit for it, but I think that we have help, helped a lot of women. No, I, I think you're right about that. And I mean, I've had, you know, I've had some express that to me. I'm sure you probably have too. Um, there's not, traditionally sports media is very male and very white. And it, when you limit to just that demographic, you're missing out on a whole other side of of, of fandom, of people following the team. Um, and, you know, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to be a, to be a woman and be, you know, it, to go on the internet and talk about sports. Like, I, I know you and I have, have had some, some people with, say, some just really sideways stuff that you absolutely wouldn't say to a man. And I feel like, that you know staying out there and continuing to do what we do and finding the voice that we have and just you know being consistently with that I think has has kind of opened some doors um that 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 landscape is starting to change a little bit and I like to think that you know we've had a positive influence on that um because there's just there's so much more than what traditional sports media has has been about right because it's just like I will stack our stuff against uh, some of the other people who are paid the big bucks and it, it stacks up against theirs as well and sometimes it's oh, better yeah no I was I was gonna say like there's there's and I'm not gonna name any names but there's some things that I've read and I've kind of been kind of given the side eye like well okay but but we do better than that. And that's not even being conceded. That's just like, I don't feel like at this point that we should have, we should have to apologize. Like we've been covering this team now for seven years. Like 
there's no reason to apologize for that. Like, and I don't feel like we should have to, you know, to, to prove that we're knowledgeable enough. I feel like if you read any of our writing, you can, you know, you can, can get that for yourself, but because we're women, a lot of times people, men, usually, let me say it, um, don't necessarily take our, our thoughts and our analysis um, anywhere near as seriously. Whereas any dude can get on the internet and just say the most outrageous ass shit, sorry, all the time. And nothing happens. And, no one and nobody says questions anything. it. Right. Like nobody's given them a test to like quizzing them to, to see how much they know about basketball or how much they know about their team. A couple of years ago, some dude, some dude asked me if I knew what a point guard did. And if I could have slapped someone through the internet, I would have that day. Like, yes, it, it's it's insulting, but I feel like we've cultivated kind of, or at least I have with my my uh, social media experience. I've cultivated a lot of people who who see the value in what we do and who don't have those closed-minded attitudes. I mean, my thing is this: I don't need validation from anybody. I, I don't need it. I don't want it or whatever. I know where I stack up. I know that I'm talented. I know what I'm talking about. So that's that on it. Yes. I, like, I don't necessarily want anybody else to validate me, but I don't want to be disrespected either. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, they, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. So let's start talking about the Grizzlies. So um, you went to game one. I went to game two. It, it was a different contrast. And I'm going to tell you, um, I was talking to some people there at the Memphis media yesterday. And we said, I came I came to a game two. So I was a good luck charm. And you were, you know, since you came to game one. one. So, we, so we kind of blaming it on you. Hey, you know what? That's fine. <laughs> if, if, that's, if that's what it takes, that I, I am willing to make that sacrifice. Um, it was they they played a completely different ball game yesterday and it's the same kind of basketball that they have been playing all season long right that that we knew that they could play and it was really funny after game one when there was a whole lot of people both in in media and in you know nba twitter and in fandom who suddenly felt like they needed to say with their whole chest how, how much better they think the Timberwolves are. And that's not, that's not to say that the Timberwolves don't have good players or aren't a good team, but the Grizzlies are a better team and they have better players. And it's not, it, it's not a slight and it's not even about, you know, being the second seed or the seventh seed, but like we have the, the second best record overall in the league. Like there's, you don't, that doesn't happen by accident. No, it doesn't. And then it's just like there's confidence in the guys. They know, they know they didn't play up to their standards. They know they didn't play because every time, all I heard, you know, when practice, when people put it on social media or saw videos, that they were pissed, pissed at themselves because they didn't live up to their standards, and they lost game one. Yeah, the team takes that. The Timberwolves really personally, right? The Timberwolves really wanted it. They came out with energy, and the Grizzlies didn't. The Timberwolves was a better team, 
in game one. The Grizzlies showed who they are in game two. It's, it's just that simple. Yeah, and I'm still I'm still comfortable saying Grizzlies in five. I, I don't I don't know if it's gonna be Grizzlies in five. I know it's gonna be a tough series, but I just feel like they're not gonna lose it. No. Um, now in you know, in another season or so, I think this Timberwolves team is gonna be very similar to where this Grizzlies team is now. Um, I spent some time earlier watching some, I don't do this very often, but now that that Memphis is a team that that you know prominent national media people talk about regularly, mm-hmm. um, I watched uh, an undisputed segment this morning, mm-hmm. uh, and it was so funny because after ga- after the first game, uh, I watched uh, you know Shannon and Skip, and it it was all suddenly like like it was the end of the world and I think a lot of people really didn't take into consideration this like this is not a one-on-one game this is a seven game series right and you know for them to to lose game one doesn't mean that they're going to lose the series and you know listening to the next day you know what what Skip and uh Shannon both said after last night's game like they walked back a lot of that criticism and I hate that I agree with Skip Bayless on anything, but he, he has, you know, at the very least will, will acknowledge that, that, uh, they're a really good team. Ja is an incredible player. He's a good leader and he's the kind of player that like that chip on his shoulder, he plays with that all the time. And nobody can criticize him more than he's going to criticize himself. And that's really why I wasn't worried about them bouncing back so much, especially if you see any of the post-game media that he did after game one, like he took that on himself. He took that whole thing as it's my fault. Right. Especially, especially like when he wasn't like when he missed a couple shooters uh, on the three-point line, he was trying to drive to the basket instead of driving and kicking he didn't do that and he was like that was on him and he did a better job of it uh in game two he did and he did a really good job too facilitating for for other players um I'm glad that that coach Jenkins made some adjustments um this is just apparently not a good matchup for Steven Adams yeah so yeah I want to get to that so you know when I wrote about for basketballnews.com when I um put the little down but not out five keys to bounce back to the Grizzlies victory for game two, it seemed like at almost everything that I wrote what they should do, they did. And they won the game by 28 points. And so um I was saying that like no way possible ever. Um Steven Adams, you know, he needs to stay away from Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Anthony Edwards. Because in game one, he guarded Anthony Towns, Carl Anthony Towns. Cat was six to eight from the field. And when he guarded Anthony Edwards, Edwards was four or five from the field. That's where, I mean, that's a lot of points that he gave up. That's I mean, not a good matchup for him. And not a I good matchup this- at all. And so, and my thing was, was Jenkins going to make a decision to not play Adams and I was surprised 
when Adams did not start in the uh, second half. I was really shocked that he that after they pulled him after he pulled him after the first couple of minutes in the first quarter that he didn't play him for the rest of the game. Now I think it's the right decision, mm-hmm. but I was really su- kind of surprised to see it. Um, if they you know they moved smaller, moved Jaron to the five, they've got Brandon Clark at the four, like it it completely changes the dynamic. And with the way that the refs were calling that yesterday, it took fifty minutes them to get through what there I mean there was no way like it it got to be beyond ridiculous but if you know that that's what's happening then you need to adjust according accordingly for that and you know Stephen Adams was got two quick fouls in two minutes and honestly if he if they kept him in the game that's what would have happened but bringing him out bringing Brandon Clark in bringing Xavier Tillman Tillman in um, really gave them an opportunity to, to, to switch it up and, and match up with some players who match up a little better defensively um, with, uh, with Kat and with Anthony Edwards than, than, uh, than Steven Adams does. And to his credit, he didn't seem to have a problem with it, you know, in, in post-game media, he's like, we won. And that's, you know, he's for as much hate as he has gotten in Memphis over the years, he has been an asset to this team, mm-hmm. um, and and he's he's a calming veteran presence. And I know that I personally, I, I remember when 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 the trade went down because at like one to one as a basketball player, I, I like Jonas Valanciunas's game better. But then bringing Adams in really opened the door to let Jerry get more time and more more experience than, than what he had. And something that it kind of took me a while to, to really get was they have, you know, Adams and Valanciunas have two completely different strengths and Jonas is a lot better offensively, but that's not necessarily what Memphis needs their center to do. If they've got other guys who, you know, who can defend well and who can make shots, um, and as long as, you know, Steven Adams can, can clear boards, um, he doesn't, it, he doesn't really have to score a whole lot. Right. Um, and then, and then he, he'd get the offensive rebounds and there's a lot of screen assists that he does. Like when he has had his man and, and John has a clear path to the, to the basket. He's got incredibly good court vision. Right. Um, and then, and then he facilitates better than Jonas Valentunas as well. I, I I don't disagree. Um, I I'm pleasantly surprised as far as how well he has fit in because Jonas wasn't a bad fit. Like he wasn't a he wasn't bad with the team, but they he weren't did. having to lean on Jaron. You know, right? And then and he, he didn't care to do that then. And then he don't he didn't fit what they wanted in a team so that's why they chose Adams he just it just wouldn't fit from what they wanted okay. it seems to be working so don't you know don't change it please right and then I was going to go back to game one um like when Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson was on the floor they had a better defensive rating and that's when the Grizzlies was climbing back they uh Paris together had a six eight point two defensive rating in 10 minutes so when they two was on the floor together in game one 
they did a really good job. So I think for game three, I'm thinking that um, maybe Jenkins just like needs to start Kyle Anderson or Xavier Tillman. And I just want to talk about how he was the spark off the bench, like um, the foul trouble and all that. He came in and that, that next man up mentality, I mean, that's what they live by. And he just put on a show. He changed, he, really did. he changed the trajectory of that game. He really did. Absolutely. He was, look, he was the real X factor. He, yes, I 100%. And he's been like that all season. That's, this is probably the deepest team that the Grizzlies have ever fielded. And everybody that they're bringing off the bench have, for the most part, even when they're not getting a whole lot of playing time, when coach calls their number, they, they go in and they do what they do. And they, they know how to play with each other. They know, you know, they know how to execute the plays that, that, you know, Jenkins calls. And, you know, he's, if, if Tillman is going to be that much better of a matchup, then play him and play him instead of Adams. Um, and Kyle Anderson and Brandon Clark don't get nearly enough credit for mm-hmm. how quietly good they are. Um, like we, we really saw it last year with Kyle Anderson. Uh, once he got, you know, completely healthy after that shoulder procedure, like he really just opened up. It's not, it's not a flashy game. It's not, he's not a superstar, but like he is a workhorse player who, you know, has good basketball IQ and who can, can get in positions, can defend, can, you know, can, can make shots, um, you know, usually makes his free throws. Brandon Clark doesn't, but that's okay. I still love him anyway. Um, but I mean, they like, because they don't, they don't have the kind of highlights that John normally has. I think people really overlook the contribution that they make. Yeah. And then it's just like, they, do the dirty work, you know, they just, Kyle Anderson is like the, the dirty work. And then like, um, say like John Conchar is just like, he might not have like the fanciest stats, but when he get in there, you know, he's going to hustle, you know, he's going to rebound. He's going to do every, do all the little, the little things that you don't see in the box scores. And he's not too proud to do it either. There are guys who, who in, you know, in his position may feel like that they've earned a spot not to come off the bench. And you know what? John Conchar, every time that he's called upon, he goes in and he does. Um, I, I I secretly love all of the games that he does well um, because we've, you know, we've watched his game evolve and he's a very solid player for what he is. You know, he's not, he's not going to be your star player, but that's not, that's not what the Grizzlies need him to be, but he is capable of, of, of being slotted into a game and putting up some meaningful minutes and actually contributing on both ends of the floor. And so we also saw a back, bounce back performance from Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, in game one, Jaron, he said that, you know, he had a shitty performance. That's what he described it as. He said it was shitty. And John Moran said that he texted him after the game and said, I got you. So Jaron said that he was ready. He couldn't have let them bait him into foul you know, get him in foul trouble. You know, he got two early fouls, but he calmed himself down and he had a pretty good game. I mean, 
the first game he was 4-13, you know, from the field. I mean, the next game he was 4-7 from three, had 16 points and seven rebounds. So I think that was a good feeler for him. What are your thoughts on Jaron? Um, I, I think we've kind of seen his evolution as a player over the last several seasons and his ability to adjust and, and know when teams are going to try and bait him into foul trouble. Um, he's done a tremendous job of, of being able to kind of pull back and be more cautious in, the, in those situations. But he's also enough of a threat on the perimeter that, you know, if if you need a bucket, he'll get you one one way or the other. Um, I I love seeing him shoot threes because I I most of the time expect expect him to make them. Um, you know, I mean, he's not he's not going to shoot fifteen threes a game, and I don't want him to do that. But you know, Jenkins' philosophy is you can't you know can't make the ones you don't take. Um, with him being able to score from the perimeter that really opens up the other guys because they're, you know, defenders are going to have to decide who are they going to stick on. And if they're, if one of the main strategies seems to be crowd job Moran at all costs, well, if you've got other guys who can get away from that and can make shots and can score, like that's, that's winning basketball. Right. And then, um, you know, Jaron, you know, he's just like, and he got a tech, you know, the first game or whatever. He, you know, calmed down. You know, Xavier Tierman said, like, when he's all over the place, you know, it's hard, but like when he's fun and free, he's like, Jaron is like pretty hard to guard. He's a, a tough, tough matchup. So, because he was like, well, yeah, game one, I got seven blocks, but we gave up 130 points. And I don't think the defense should be all on him. Because he wasn't the only one when he was on the floor, when he was um, sitting on the bench, they gave up a whole bunch of points, in particular Stephen Adams. So you know, that's another yeah. story. But I think, yeah. but I, I think I don't know. I think this this win may have turned the ship for them because they could not afford to go down, you know, oh two to to the Wolves. They couldn't do that. I. I feel like that, that that was really the confidence boost that they needed and kind of the reminder of this is who we are and this is what we do. Um, you know, this is the basketball that we have played all season. And if you notice when they play and, and they look like they're having fun, they play better. Yes. Yes. I noticed that when they look like they're having fun, they play a whole lot better. Um, I, you know, I, I said this in my recap and I'm going to, I'm going to work it in anyway because it abused the hell out of me, you know, for it being over Easter weekend. I'm glad that game was on Saturday. So Jesus didn't have to see them miss all those free throws, but they really like, like they clearly, you know, coach had them watching film and, you know, here's where you messed up. Here's where we got to be better. And they came in and they adjusted in pretty much every way that they had a deficiency in in game one. Right. And yeah, like everything, the three point shooting was better. The defense was a whole lot better. And they won by 28 points, the largest marginal victory for the group is in the playoffs ever. It's so crazy to think that because, you know, back in back in the, the, the grit and grind days, like 
scoring was was typically less than it is now, but it's like it's unusual for them not to get over a hundred points. You know, it's hell. A lot of times, it's unusual for them not to score a hundred points before the end of the third quarter, which is definitely a refreshing change um, from teams that we've seen in the past. Right. So, um, so what do you think they need to do to win game three? Um, I feel like keeping, keeping Steven Adams on the bench as much as, much as possible. Um, I will even go as far to say that maybe Jenkins should, should tweak the starting lineup. Um, it's not to say that you can't give Adams any minutes, but it's become obvious that it's not a good matchup for him. And if you've got other guys who can, you know, can fill that role better at the time, then yeah, give, give Xavier Tillman some more minutes, give Kyle Anderson some more minutes, give Brandon Clark some more minutes. Um, as long as they do it, I don't know that it really, you know, the combination of players that they use to win, I don't know, makes that much of a difference. And I think that they, they like that, game one was really an eye-opener and I think they kind of got smacked in the face with we can't be complacent not even for one game and they showed that they have the ability to take that lesson and internalize it and then go out and produce on the court and we saw that in game two and if they play like that in game three then then yeah I, I, I still feel pretty confident saying Grizzlies in five maybe six um, but I still feel like this is this is absolutely their series. Right. So for me, I'm thinking that with the um game one, I'm thinking it's like it, it's like a heavyweight bout. In game one, the two the Timberwolves, you know, gave the Grizzlies like a, a gut punch. They popped them in the mouth hard. Yeah, gave them a good punch. But then in game two, the Grizzlies countered with a vicious uppercut, you know, because they won by 28 points. What's going to happen in game three? I mean, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a tough series. It's not, it's not going to be easy at all. It's no, not I, going I, to be easy. I, I, I think that we're definitely the, – the, this Timberwolves team is hungry enough. They're, they're, gonna, they're definitely going to make the effort. Um, you know, one-to-one, I don't think that they're a better team. They have some incredibly talented players. Anthony Edwards does not get, um, it really doesn't get enough credit. Um, you know, I've, I've always liked Carl Anthony Towns. Um, D'Angelo Russell was kind of not really much of a factor in game one. Um, he did a little more in game two, but, you know, their ability to make adjustments versus the Grizzlies' ability to make adjustments I don't know. We've seen the Grizzlies sustain this kind of play over an extended period of time in the regular season. And I don't know that the Timberwolves can necessarily do it the same way. Like they've, they've definitely put together, you know, some winning games, but whether or not they can follow through with that consistently, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that they'll give up in any sense. But I also feel like maybe maybe some expectations have 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 drifted into a more of a 
a reasonable position at this point because I even after the first game, I, I still think it was it was kind of silly for for anybody to to suddenly count the Grizzlies out. And you know, no no shade to Minnesota whatsoever, but they aren't as a team where the Grizzlies are as a team right now. And plus, and plus the Grizzlies have has a better bench as we can we seen last night. You know, all the bench players with all those points. You know, Zaire Weir yeah. had thirteen. Um, Brandon Clark had 13. Xavier Tillman had 13. Um, Tyus Jones had 10. So, I mean, it's a really good bench because anybody, because sometimes, you know, we saw during the regular season, sometimes a bench player had like 20 or more points. It happened, exactly. all, it happened all season long. And then it's just but, like, you know, people say things was going to slow down in the playoffs, but it really hasn't slowed down all that much as people would say, you know, not in this round, not with these two teams. It hasn't at no. all. No, it's going to be, it's going to be chippy and it's going to be, you know, they're, they're going to go blow for blow. Um, but I think ultimately Memphis will win the series um, in part because they have so many guys coming off the bench who, like you said, are, are able to, to get in and contribute and they may not need one guy to score 50 points every night. If right. they're still getting, you know, 40 and 50 from the bench. And I think Tyus Jones really deserves a lot more credit than he gets, not necessarily from Grizzlies fans, because I feel like if you've watched this team over this season and you don't appreciate what Tyus Jones has done and can do, then you're watching basketball wrong and there's not really any help for you. But he's definitely the best backup point guard in the league. And he has the ability to play with Ja. And in place of Ja, to kind of help fill what there, there's guys that, that basically can can fill multiple roles. Um, you know how 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 they need to step up is how they step up in 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 some games. And you know with with that combination, there's not. There, there's not a whole lot of, of being able to get around that. I think um, over like over a seven game series, like the Grizzlies are going to wear the Timberwolves down really hard because that's the kind of basketball that they play, even though they've increased their pace a whole lot since Taylor Jenkins has been the coach, you know, and they get at least during the re regular season, consistently getting a lot more possessions per game. Like they they've managed to elevate their pace and also continue to have the same offensive efficiency and have the same defensive efficiency. And that's because they have guys who are good at what they do in the starting lineup and guys who are good at what they do, who will come off the bench, who are not ego driven to the point of, Oh, well, I feel like I should be getting more minutes and, and like everybody's happy with, with the contributions that they're asked to make. Okay, I have two questions now. Okay, um, about the three-point shooting. Um, okay, so Desmond Bain, we all know that he shoots better from three on the road. And then um, about the rest. To me, I was thinking before they started really resting players at the end of the year, the players were clicking. Licking really well. 
as D'Anthony Melton, he was shooting, he was shooting the lights out, out, out of off the ball. I mean, shooting the leather off the ball. Uh, Desmond Bain. But I, to me, I think the when they rested them at the end of the season, those games, it messed up the rhythm to me. And I understand they didn't want them to get hurt. And look what happened to Luca. I understand that, but sometimes to me, I think that messes up rhythm because you can get hurt at any point, at any time of the game. You can get hurt at any time. But I, I you know, I understand them being cautious, but sometimes I think that hurts the team. And then it's just like they were off for like a whole week. And I think they didn't have any energy game one. It disrupts their flow. Right. It, it disrupts them. And then so like, and we know know this, so I'm thinking that that messes with them in game one. So what do you think about the three-point shooting, you know, especially De'Anthony Milton and Desmond Bain? It seems like they both shoot better on the road. I think so. Um, and I think I, I think with Melton, um, his his shot's gonna come more in this in this series. Um, as he gets more playing time. Um, those aren't necessarily the guys that I'm worried about with, with their three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because Minnesota is a team that, that depends a lot on the three ball, mm-hmm. they have to both be able to defend that, but they also have to be able to respond. And it seems like they were absolutely, they were able to do it in game two in a way that they weren't in game one. And I feel like that should have been kind of an eye opener. Okay, so this is what we did and it worked well. So let's continue to do this going forward. And, you know, the fact that they hadn't played for a week and, you know, they had that last game against Boston where, you know, it was like essentially the Memphis hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I understand the caution but I also agree with you that I think that disrupts the flow that they that they kind of they built a momentum to go into these games and play a certain way. And when you stop that, it's hard to 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 rebuild that rhythm immediately. Um, and I think I think we're going to see like th- there's going to be at least one game where, where D'Anthony Melton hangs 25 points. It's going to happen. Um, oh. Whether or not it'll be game three or game four, um, there will be a game in this series where DeAnthony Melton has at least 24, 25 points. So, okay. Um, final predictions. How many games do you think it's going to go? Um, Realistically. I, I think at most they can take it to six games, but I still feel pretty confident when I said Grizzlies in five, I, I think that's, that's not unrealistic. Um, you know, if they go out tomorrow and play in Minnesota, the way that they played in game one, maybe I might revisit that, but I don't feel like that first game was enough to derail them more so as a, Hey, we need to get back to you and what we know we can do. And they showed they can shape up and they, you know, absolutely did it in game two. And I think they're going to continue to do that going forward. And when they play on that level, I I don't, I I just, I don't think that Minnesota can get past them. Well, and on that, we will come back um, probably 
the next couple of games, we will do our review. You know, I'll have you back on, do our review, and we will see, you know, how our prediction works. But I, uh, Amy, thank you for coming on with me tonight. I really appreciate you taking your time out to be on Believing Grizzlies. Thank you for having me, Sharon. Have a great night. All right, thank you. Holla. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube